Well, I feel like I should introduce myself. I'm Scott Reevely. I'm the lead pastor here. And other people have been filling the pulpit really since early in August. And so I suppose if I'm a little rusty, that's why. But I am super thankful to be back with you. And it just occurred to me, the church has been singing that last song that we just sung for about 500 years. Because this month marks the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. And it is a, uh, that is a significant event in your life, whether you know anything about it or not. And I want to encourage you, if you, if you don't know much about the Protestant Reformation, to spend the month of October you know, learning something about it. There actually, I put a link on our church blog this morning about a devotional just uh, highlights key players in the Reformation, but just the things that they uncovered and the things that were rescued for the church and rescued for you and for me were marvelous in the Protestant Reformation. We are so thankful. I mean, in fact, you're here today because of what happened 500 years ago. And so, they, they really, there were, there were two main things that were rescued in the Protestant Reformation. And one we take for granted, uh, and that is that the, the Scripture is the final authority for our faith and practice. Sola Scriptura was the way they talked about it, Scripture only. In other words, you didn't just, um, you didn't need the church to mediate your relationship with God. You didn't need a, a priest to go between you and God. Jesus did that for you. And so you can trust the Scriptures and not need the church to be the dispenser of grace. And so that was one thing, and we take it for granted. In fact, we're going to read the Scriptures this morning. I'm going to encourage you to think about it, encourage you to trust it. You're going to read it in your own language. That was recovered for you in the Protestant Reformation. But the other thing that was recovered that is really quite central is the doctrine of justification by faith. And I imagine that if, if it had not been about justification by faith, there may never have been a Protestant Reformation. But rather than earning salvation by church sacraments or by indulgences, or by good works. The Reformers insisted that the Scripture is very clear, teaching us that you are justified or made right with God only by grace through faith. And that was, I would say, likely the central tenet of the Protestant Reformation 500 years ago. And I would love for things to be, you know, rescued, written down, saved, no more questions. Everyone agrees, but that's not the case. Pew Research Institute did a, did a study just this summer on the doctrines of the Reformation, asking both Catholics and Protestants, if in fact they still believe different things like they did 500 years ago. 
And this is what they found. They found that, a, that more than half of U.S. Protestants believe that both, both, that, that's an important word there, both good deeds and faith in God are needed to get into heaven, which is a historically Catholic position. The other half say that faith alone is needed to attain salvation. And that's significant because what that alerts us to is the fact that though salvation by grace through faith or justification by faith alone was rescued in the Protestant Reformation, it has eroded since then. And most of us are bombarded with ideas that are unclear about how you get to heaven. They are unclear about who does what to get you to heaven. What do you do? What does God do? And so this morning, I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. We're going to re-engage our study of the book of Romans. And we're going to pick it up right in the middle of what was at stake in the Protestant Reformation. I mean, it just could hardly be more serendipitous as far as our uh, re-engaging Romans. But Ro- Romans chapter 5 reads like this. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. In endurance, Produces character, character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And so the part we're going to look at today is simply that first verse. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Because that one verse carries with it really all of the important uh, beliefs that sparked the Reformation. It carries with it all of the important beliefs that can ensure your uh, admission into heaven. And so I just want to encourage you to spend time in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Not just now in church, but later this afternoon or this week. Because it certainly rewards uh, your engagement. Starts out, simple word, therefore. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith. And as Tim mentioned a couple weeks ago, when you see the word therefore, you simply ask, what's the therefore, therefore? In In order to figure out what the therefore is therefore, you just simply review. So let's hop back just a couple verses. We're going to use actually... Uh, the first part of this verse, to review Romans 1 through 4 to bring us up to speed about where we are in uh, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you drop back about three verses to verse 22 of Romans chapter 4, he, he's talking about Abraham, and he says, that is why Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness. And you see a couple key words here. The first is faith. 
That Abraham believed God. It, it tells us in Genesis chapter 15, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. In other words, it was his faith that counted, not his works. What counted for him was his faith. And it counted for him in terms of righteousness. Now, we don't use the word righteous very often in normal everyday speech. But it simply means being made right. Okay? To be righteous is to be made right. To be made right with God. And so when Abraham trusted God, God counted him as though he had been made right. And so whatever was wrong with Abraham was made right. Then it says, but the words it was counted for him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. Now, the beauty of that is that whatever is wrong with you can be made right by faith in Jesus Christ. And that's what he goes on to say. It will be counted for us who believe. So the same means for us as for Abraham, we believe and God counts it as though we are right. Be counted to us who believe in Him who raised Him from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised again for our justification. Now, there, we have the key word believe again. We have now uh, the word justification, which is also in chapter 5, verse 1. Justification, in, justification means the same as righteous. To be justified is to be made right. In fact, they are both translations of the same um, Greek word family in uh, the original language. So we come up with, with the, um, being justified or being made righteous. The same thing. Okay? They're equivalent. And so what he's telling us here is that our faith is counted to us as being justified or made right. You know, and you can think about it in lots of different ways. You can think about it in, in a legal term. If you are uh, guilty, then you are forgiven and made right with the law. You can think of it in terms of typesetting, if you like. This, this one helps me as much as any. To be right justified means to be lined up with what's on the right. And so he is delivered for our... Uh, Jesus was uh, raised for our justification that we might be made right. With God. That's why he says in Romans chapter 5, Therefore, therefore it will be counted for you if you believe to be made right with God. Okay, that leads us then to since we have been justified by faith. Now again, I, I do think it's it's easy to take this for granted, but the entire uh, book of Romans so far from chapter 1 to chapter 4 has established for us the need to be made right with God. And not only to be made right with God, but to be made right with God by faith 
apart from works. So by faith in what God has done, instead of by works in what you do. Okay, and that's what I want to see by way of review here. Because this is the, this is the good news. In fact, we, if we start with the theme verse in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel. Okay, the Gospel simply means good news. The good news of Christianity, the good news recovered at the Reformation, the good news that I want to encourage you to believe this morning is simply that God will save the one who believes. Period. I'm not ashamed of the Gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For in it, The righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And so here you have um, very clearly the, the initial statement in the book of Romans that justification or righteousness comes by faith. And everything else is an unfolding of that. Now that may be simple enough. That may be something that, that you say, oh, that's easy peasy. This is like 101 and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at 501 or something. I don't, I don't really care. Okay. We, I find I gotta nail 101 down all the time. I never get past 101. Because what's next is the issue. Again, still in chapter 1. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And so here is the problem. The problem is that in my relationship with God, I have been unrighteous. Okay, I have been not right. I've been ungodly. And you have been too. And when we are unrighteous and ungodly, when we do things that we know are wrong, that God says is wrong, when we have attitudes or actions or thoughts or words, then what Romans chapter 1, verse 18 tells us is that the wrath of God rests on us. That hovering over us, whether we like it or not, I'm not saying this is my favorite thing I love to talk about. I'm just simply saying that I just don't have the option to ignore it. Because the Scripture is very clear, the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and righteousness of men. And so, as he develops this, he makes a case that all are under sin. Both Jews and Greeks. Okay, there, There's no racial divide here. There's no, there's no moral divide. There's no gender divide. All are under sin. Every single person has found themselves at odds with God. To be at odds with God means that God's wrath is waiting for you. As it is written. Okay, the Scriptures in the Old Testament bear this out. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. 
See, there isn't, there isn't anybody that is born seeking God. No one is born doing the right thing. No one is born right with God. We inherited sin as a, a function of being a human being. And we acted out right away. Those of you who have been parents have seen this very early. And the reality is there is none righteous. All are under sin. And he just continues. He says in in chapter 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The standard of the glory of God, His perfection is the standard at which none of us attain. Because all of us have sinned or missed the mark. I mean, that's just reality. And I can choose to ignore it. I can choose to say I'd rather it be a different way. And while I might wish it to be a different way, it isn't a different way. God is very clear in how He has revealed Himself and His relationship to human beings. And that is that His wrath rests on those who are ungodly and unrighteous. And who is that? That is all. All who have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And so when Romans 5 verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, that's really good news. Because the first three chapters of Romans establish the fact that we, are, we do not start off justified. We do not start off right with God and therefore, we need something. Something must happen to line us up and make us right with God. And the turn happens right here in verse 24. All of sin and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by grace. As a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Justified by His grace. So when you sang this morning in that first song, His grace is enough. You weren't just mouthing empty words. This really is the central idea. That to be made right with God comes to you as a gift that you didn't earn. That you don't deserve. That comes to you as an expression of God's love, not as a transaction for your good behavior. Not, trans, not, as, not as some uh, transaction for your moral uprightness or your religious practice. God makes you right with Him as a free gift. And just like other things that come to you as a gift, you have to say, Will I receive that gift or will I refuse it and say, no, thank you. I don't deserve it or no, thank you. Uh, Really, you didn't have to. But the reality is, you know, God did have to because we couldn't do anything about it. He's justified by, we are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. In other words, this gift has a focus on a person whose name is Jesus Christ. And all of our hope of being made right with God ends up 
coming back to what Jesus has done. We're justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. So again, that word propitiation is an important word in our discussion of being made right. Because what was wrong incurred God's wrath. Our sin, the Scripture tells us, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 tells us, means that God's wrath hovers over us. And we have, we have nothing to look forward to but the wrath of God. Except that, in Romans 3.25, God put forward Jesus as a propitiation. And propitiation is a word I'm sure that none of us have ever used in a normal conversation. Because it's, a, it's a, really a theological word that is packed with uh, meaning. Without which, you couldn't receive salvation from God. You couldn't get any grace because God's wrath would still hover over you. But what propitiation means is that God's wrath has been satisfied. That God doesn't simply wink and turn the other way. He doesn't simply say, oh, boys will be boys or girls will be girls. And so, that's fine. We're not going to deal with that. He exercised His wrath and satisfied the full force of His wrath so that you might be accepted and forgiven. And He did that in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. He put Jesus forward as a propitiation by His blood. And so you have to say, am I going to believe that God's wrath is taken away from me because of Jesus? Or are you still going to attempt to be religious enough or good enough or well-behaved enough that you might somehow avoid the wrath of God? That's what it means to receive it by faith. To realize that you must have Jesus to satisfy the wrath of God if you are going to be forgiven. Well, he continues. It was to show that God's righteousness, it was to show God's righteousness at the present time so that he, he might be both just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So this was to ensure God's character was not compromised. Because just as, just as you know, if, if a human judge let a criminal go, we would all just be up in arms about the fact that it was unjust for him not to, not to have the, the criminal pay for his crime. How much more a righteous, holy God How could He be just and let sinners go? His character is at stake. Somehow He must find a way to both forgive and remain holy. 
And he did that because Jesus on the cross took his wrath. So his wrath and and the just penalty for sin was taken care of so that God God could be both just and the one who justifies the person who has faith in Jesus. See, all of this is still backstory. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore, having been justified, the way you get justified is that God put Jesus on the cross so that His wrath is taken, so so that the wrath that you deserve is taken by Jesus, so that you might be free from the wrath of God forever. It's amazing. Then he continues. Okay, now on to chapter four. So I'm just basically doing a review to fill in this idea of justification by faith. So we have the same thing happening again with Abraham. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted for righteousness. He was made righteous simply by believing. Now this is this is important because this is where we get to the second half. We move to the second half of Romans chapter five, verse one. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. In other words, if somebody is going to, to, let's say, I'm just going to say bargain with God. So that if I am religious enough, you'll forgive me. Or I'm going to bargain with God. If I promise not to do it again, or I'm going to bargain with God and say, if I am good enough and give enough of my money away, and if I uh, you know, spend my time helping whoever needs it, right? Then you will do X. I'm going to have a bargain. I'm going to work. Well, the reality is, if that's the way you want it, then what you receive from God is really what you deserve. There is no gift. It's just your due. It's your wages. You get pay for effort. But, to the one who does not work, but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So the difference here is, if I say, you know what, I I am not in a bargaining position here with God. I uh, I am simply going to receive a gift. I'm not going to work. I'm simply going to believe that He is going to justify me even though I'm ungodly. He's not going to justify me after I clean myself up. He's not going to justify me after I do all of my things right. He's going to justify me while I'm ungodly. And if that's the case, faith is counted as righteousness. You believe and you are justified. You are made right with God. And that gets us... Now, up to Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Okay? Which, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, so we're justified by faith, not by works. We're made right with God. We're no longer wrong with God. His wrath is satisfied. So, because His wrath is satisfied, we have peace with God. I just want that to sink in with you for a minute. 
we have peace with God. God has declared, you are no longer at war with Him. You have received the gift of grace. Forgiveness you didn't deserve. Righteousness from God that you didn't deserve. When you were wrong with God, you were made right with Him. When you were under His wrath, His wrath has been satisfied and removed from you. You are no longer at war with God. So objectively, as someone who believes that Jesus Christ died on the cross for his sins, And that He was raised again to be made right, that I might be made right with God. I can be confident that God is not lurking in the shadows waiting to exercise His wrath on me. I have peace with God. I am objectively made right. There's nothing wrong between me and God anymore. There was no reason he should be angry with me. There was no reason for him and me to be at war any longer. That is a that is objectively true. The beauty of this is that that one thing is the central issue for every human being. One of the things that is certain about you is that one day you will die. One day this life will be over and you will face whatever is out there. The Scripture is very clear that it's appointed for a man once to die and after that judgment that there is that one day you will meet god and what good news to know that when you meet god you will be at peace with him that is the fundamental fear that that boils under the surface for every human being. Whether they deny it, whether they face it, whether they don't even recognize it. Because it's inescapable. That objective reconciliation that you have with God, you have peace with God, means then that subjectively, you can experience true peace. That really, you don't have to be anxious any longer. Scripture talks about um, 
The peace of God which passes all understanding, keeping your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. About Jesus coming, that you might have peace, not as the world gives, but that you might have a peace that can't be taken away. That subjective peace is a result of the objective peace, the objective truths that you now have with God, where you are made right with Him and have peace with God. And so there's hope for peace in real life. And that peace only comes through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, there's objective peace so that there can be subjective peace. But I just want you to, to, to realize what this last little phrase means. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because Most of us don't really believe we have peace with God. Most of us, at a deep level, are still trying to earn it. We're still trying to get peace with God that the Scripture says we already have because of Christ Jesus. You see, this is a 52% problem I started with. If you believe that you get peace with God or justification by your works, you will never experience peace. Because you will be unsure about yesterday. Is what I'm doing today good enough to cover up for yesterday? I don't know. And you'll be worried about tomorrow because what if I mess it up tomorrow? There's a likelihood if tomorrow's like the last few days, I'll mess it up. And then what? I'm not going to have peace if I am justified by my works. If If my justification rests on me, there is no peace. You see. That's why my peace rests on the Lord Jesus Christ. It rests on Him satisfying the wrath of God against my sin. And my belief that what He has done is enough. Because my, I cannot believe that what I will do will ever be enough. That's my problem. But if you think about this, I said most of us don't really, I mean, we really struggle to believe this because, I mean, think about this. I, I've, had a, I've had a bad cold the, last uh, 10 days or so and I'm not coughing with this morning which is the grace of God in the microphone which all of us would suffer for but you know what when when I have trouble when things don't you know when things don't go my way when I'm sick do you know what lurks in the background is it something I've done is God is God somehow evening the score here you know, it's not so much my sickness, but it's, it's more of something, you know, really bad happens. Did I do something that made God send this affliction, send this suffering? And when we suffer and when we have problems in our life, we're always looking in the rearview mirror saying, is God doing something to get even with me? Which tells me we believe in karma more than we believe in grace. Because 
Because what the Scripture says is that the Lord Jesus Christ has satisfied the wrath of God and has acted in a way, He has done what is necessary to do that I might have peace with God. Which means, God is not sending this affliction into your life to get even with you. That your suffering is not the wrath of God on your sin. There, there are problems in being human. This, this world is broken and there, there will be trouble in this life. But you are not getting this as a way of God exercising His wrath or as a way of God getting even with you. That's what that means. Because He's already settled the score on the cross of Jesus Christ. Another way that you know that you really struggle believing in justification by faith is that you have the same kind of questions when you sin. I mean, I don't know. uh, I assume that everybody has some kind of sin and they do, a lot of us do it in secret and a lot of us have sin and then we think, okay, what's going to happen now? How will things come off the rails after I've done this? What, what will, what must, or what must I do to make this right so, you know, it's, we, we sort of make a pledge to ourselves. I won't do it again. That's the first thing, right? And then I will, um, I, I will somehow make restitution. And when I make restitution, then, whew, then I'll feel better that I have peace with God. You know what? Restitution has been made by Jesus. And all of these other things that swirl in the background that, that are related to this, whether it's when we sin or when we suffer, those are not about God getting even with us. Those are indicators we're having a hard time believing in the good news. That the good news is really that good. That God could forgive those of us who are sinners. I mean, it's just unbelievable, isn't it? That's the problem. We have a really hard time believing it. And it's a problem because the whole thing hinges on that. We are justified by faith. If it's unbelievable and you don't believe it, that's the problem. Because the good news is really that good. You have peace with God. When you mess up, you'll still have peace with God. When you're in the middle of affliction, you'll still have peace with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it says. Now, this has been just a little bit of review of the book of Romans to get us to this point and hopefully recover not just in the Protestant Reformation 500 years ago, not just in church doctrine, but in real practice. What it means to be made right with God or justified by faith. It's as good as it gets. That's the good news that Jesus came to give us. We have the privilege this morning of reminding of ourselves of that, not just when we sing and not just when we read God's Word, but we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. And um, Jesus gave this to us to remind us 
of the very event that is central to our peace with God. He was crucified for our trespasses and raised again for our justification that we might be made right with God. And so Jesus said, do this to remember me. And there are two tables in the front and two in the rear. And I want to invite you, if you're a believer in Jesus, uh, if you have been justified by faith, then this is really a joyful celebration for you to, to, to remember the basis of your peace with God. If you're here this morning and my talking about peace with God and, and, and the difference between works and um, grace has caused you to say, you know what, I, I've really been believing in this works thing. And I just want to say, let this morning be the morning where you make the change and you say, God, I, I can't be good enough. I instead want to trust that Jesus is good enough. And I believe in Him. See, if you'll, if you'll simply make that switch this morning, I mean, into basically from, from a religious person trying to earn it to a believer trusting in Jesus, then by all means would you participate together with us. And if you're not quite ready to do that, I understand. That's, that's fine. I'm glad you're here and I hope you'll come back because i got more good news for you next week. But um, th- this, part of the, this part of the service is probably not uh, for you. So... Anyway, uh, I'm just going to read Colossians chapter 1, which says the same thing a different way. And then I'm going to pray. And then during the next song, I invite you to get uh, out of your seats and come to the the table in the front or in the back and get the elements and return to your seat and we'll all participate together in just a moment. Colossians 1.19 says, For in Him, in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through Him, to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. Okay, that includes you and me, those of us who believe. Making peace by the blood of His cross. So as we remember the broken body of our Lord and His shed blood, let's be thankful for the peace that we have with Him. Let's pray. Oh, great God and Father, what a privilege to be reminded in song, to be reminded as we read And now to be reminded as we celebrate communion that you have done everything necessary for us to be made right with you and to have peace with you. God, would you help us to believe it? Father, when we when we fall back and when we when we fail, when we return to some sort of bargain we want to strike with you, would you remind us that Jesus is enough? And so, Father, use even these next few minutes as we remember His broken body and His shed blood, would You help us? Help us to believe that we might be made right with You. We ask it because of Jesus. Amen.